0: On this episode of AV Week, we recap Zoomtopia 2019 AV technicians and the gig economy and providing fail safe digital signage for the AV industry. All that and more. Next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This
1: is AV Nation. This is AV
2: Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode 426, recorded Friday, October 18th, 2019. It just works. Support for AV Nation is
1: brought to you by Crestron and by
2: Draper, focused on innovative solutions, and by AV Pro Edge, manufacturer of next level video distribution solutions.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I just flew in from New York and bore my arms tired. Uh, I'll be the host uh, this week, and uh, I apologize in advance. I'm not even quite sure what time zone I'm in. It's been an interesting month. Uh, we'll get into some of that. Uh, but with me, hopefully to keep me on track, uh, first and foremost, the left-hand side of my addled brain. His name is George Tucker, uh, and he is uh, with us today. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing fine, thank you. And I'm on the time zone deficit myself. I just got back from San Francisco, so.
0: And his arms are tired, too. Uh, so uh, we'll bring in the- back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Doug Dillman, who comes to us from Starin uh, Marketing, he just flew in as well just a couple days ago uh, from Zoomtopia. We'll get his two cents, but welcome, Doug. Thank you. Uh, and last but not least, Mister Brock McGinnis, who was the only one of our group who has not traveled this week. So God love him. Uh, how are you, sir? I am terrific. Uh, glad to be on as always, Tim. All right, sir. Uh, we mentioned Doug. Uh, Doug will pick on him, uh, even though he's a first-time guest. His wife has been on tons of time with other folks from but Doug, you were in San uh, in, in the Silicon Valley this week for yes. Zootopia. Uh, and if you're not familiar with what Zootopia is, it's a gathering of folks uh, of Zoom, uh, the company. Uh, Before we get started, Zoom is not a sponsor. We pay for our license just like everybody else. Uh, So this might seem like a commercial, but it's not really. Zoom has become a significant player in the AV market, in the UC market. Um, NASDAQ, uh, their their news arm was there live uh, interviewing folks, interviewing uh, the folks at NEAT, who we'll get into that in a second. Uh, uh, Zoom is Investing in a hardware uh, company for the first time, something we'll that. But Doug, as somebody who was there, Staring is is a partner with Zoom. You guys had a booth at Zoomtopia at this event. Give me the sense from from where you're sitting and, and where you were sitting this week. What were one or two of the most significant takeaways from from Zoomtopia this year?
2: Well, the biggest excitement, I think, you know, that that stirred a lot of questions and. Uh, a lot of what are they doing now was the fact that they are now actually investing in some equipment. Um, we, primarily the needs uh, was the new one as a Zoom room appliance, uh, all in one piece that the Zoom really is concentrated on selling licenses. And um, we they've even created a new group of recent um, if they go into a large corporate environment you can sell thousands of desktop licenses but once it comes to deploying a zoom room now we have to pick some hardware the interoperability of all of that gear and does it play nice with the usb drivers of uh you know your cameras your you know microphones uh, your dsps so that becomes more of a development and design stage and slows down that process for them to sell a Zoom room license. Um, If there's an out-of-the-box appliance that you just plug in, enter your license key, and away you go, that makes life much easier for them. And the majority of your Zoom rooms are your smaller huddle spaces to a small conference room. Um, There have been a few appliances uh, out there on the market in the last year, uh, D10 being one of them, and that they were reannounced this year uh, as well. Uh, Poly has their new piece coming out and then the Neats, which um, will be uh, for now is an online ordered uh, all-in-one appliance. Um, it's still in pre-production. They they aren't actually shipping yet, but Zoom invested uh, some money with them to help bring that piece of, uh, to the marketplace. And it's primarily, I think, just to help them sell more Zoom room licenses. Um, the Larger rooms, uh, um, you know, your all hand spaces, your training centers and whatnot are still gonna be custom designed. Based around a standard that works with you know, the Zoom software. Uh, so it's a, uh, but it was the first time they've actually invested uh, in, in helping bring that out because there are
0: not that many true appliances on the marketplace yet. So. I mean, that was one of, the, one of the more interesting ones the fact that they were in, uh, investing in it. The other one was Polly for me. And Brock, I want to bring you in on this. Polly, a uh, year and a half ago, was Plantronics purchased Polycom, long time. Obviously, you see an video conferencing company. Uh, this past April, what am I saying? Make, make sure that I'm saying this the past April. Uh, they announced that they're, they're combining the companies under under one name, um, and uh, right before uh, Enterprise Connect, under the word under the name Poly. So that's Plantronics and Polycom coming together. The fact that that Polycom again is a video conferencing. Polly video conferencing legacy company making appliances for what could be seen as a competitor. Right. Um, what does that say to you, Brock? The fact that, that Polly is looking at this as a partnership and, and, a, and a good way for them to spend their resources in an avenue that they want to go down. Uh,
3: if you can't beat them, join them, okay. uh, might be one, uh, approach to this. Uh, you know, they've, they've made telephones for a lot of other people for a long time. Um, And, uh, and so, you know, that's about scale and momentum and market share. Um, And, uh, and I actually think that they're really smart in doing it because uh, most of us love zoom. And if you can't play with zoom, you're making people make a decision between your product and uh, zoom. And, and now you can say, Hey, you can do Zoom for all of your external conferencing, or or you can use some of the same hardware uh, to do some you know higher security internal conferencing, and uh, and really only have to buy one set of appliances or hardware uh, to accomplish two two uh, objectives. Um, you know, play with the bring your own device crowd, or uh, and and because that to me, is how corporations are mostly using Zoom is uh, is as an external source. Um, and then, uh, you know, continue to communicate with your legacy Polycom gear uh, that, you know, you've spent tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars with us on. I like it.
0: Um, Mr. Tucker, when it comes to this announcement, and always so the, the, the right the one that happened in, 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 at Adobe, uh, something that we were talking about before we ever press record on this. At what point does Zoom become ubiquitous? Does, do they become the proverbial Kleenex or Xerox? Uh, when, when it or Google even? Uh, when does it become, you know, just Zoom me? When do they become go from being a company to becoming a, a verb in, in, in the lexicon?
1: right about now funk soul brother i mean (laughs) truly it's true i mean this this is the first step like what did we have we had big corporations that dedicated themselves to very finite lines the polycoms and other telecom and teleconferencing companies and then you had the crestrons and the AMXs of the world trying to control them and be part of it and then put out their own product lines and here comes well what i like to call the virus of free right zoom was free for many users and then you had corporate licenses for all the Add-ons you wanted, but it was fairly cheap, and all those other companies that were with them at all those shows that we saw at Infocom and the the new and developed right, the the new and hot little what was that little section called? I can't remember. And Infocom, we had a little section of all those little little booths of the uh, new uh,
0: innovation showcase,
1: innovation right? Okay, innovation show, showcase. But those are where that's coming from, and this step from just being a software codec to providing the complete solution, I think, is a remarkable idea. And we called it a couple of months ago when we talked on a couple of shows past where this is where it is. Because what do we always say? You want to rule the ecosystem. And once you rule the ecosystem, yes. you can make profit within that line. And if you come, become ubiquitous, if you become that verb, uh, you know, then you are definitely going to be able to sell a lot more because the brand identity and confidence is there. And I think that's something that a lot of the big players never really saw coming. Is that, oh, it's just this piece of software on a, a computer. a It's a threat. But it's not quality. We can still put in these rooms, and bang! Now you've got an ecosystem that's going to take over. I think a fair majority of those installs because everybody knows the name. They're instantly going to want it, and they're going to they're going to have trust in it.
3: And it works.
1: And it works. Yeah, that's,
2: that's the theme. Thing. It, it just works. It, you it know, it just
3: works.
1: works.
2: You were talking like about story, like you know. Poly coming in there, and the fact that you know they're kind of been ubiquitous in the phone market. That was the other large push at Zoomtopia is Zoom Phone uh, is ready to go, um, which is, of course, why I think Polly, you know, got the FaceTime with you know the you know the execs at Zoom of your hardware can help roll out this Zoom Phone. So there's only a couple of you know major players that are you know have pretty much standardized if you're just going to do phone or if you're, you know, versus doing soft phone versus rolling the entire Zoom ecosystem because they play really nice together. You know, you can walk in with your, uh, from a self call, you know, as a Zoom call to, oh, hey, I'm now at my desk. Transfer it to your uh, desk as a soft phone. Oh, hey, I need to show you something. Roll it right into a full-blown Zoom call, and then back to a, a, a call. So it's um, the fact that the, all of the platforms play together so nicely, uh, and Polly is, is going to be one of those big players on the Zoom phone side.
1: So. You know, it's also interesting that they took uh, that model of, say, Sonos, with the very inexpensive bars that just go in – It's so simple. You can use their displays. You can use the partner displays, but guess what? It just goes in like a Sonos, and you have, again, that brand identity and that technology identity because Sonos now is known by almost anybody who knows anything about technology, even the passing reference to it, and I think it's just brilliant to do that. It's like, yeah, I get those two models. Boom, I'm sold. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and before we wrap up here, I want to point one thing out that I learned this week during Zoomtopia, and that is one of Zoom's programs. They have a certified um, peripheral program, I guess is the best way to put this. And I'm going to bastardize this, and, and Doug, correct me where I get this wrong. There were two different programs. One is it's Zoom certified, right? So if you want to use, use a Bluetooth you know, headset or a speaker or whatever, you know, they're, they're going to certify and say, yeah, that this, this works with us, right? Try, no problem. The other one, and this is the one that I find really, really fascinating, and it's very Apple-esque of, of Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the one where the, the hardware manufacturers, the peripheral manufacturers are giving Zoom the, the ability to update the hardware. That, so as Zoom updates their software, these peripheral manufacturers are giving Zoom the, the, uh, the, the uh, capability of going into their hardware and updating their firmware as well, or updating the software that runs the hardware at the same time. So it's constantly being updated. So as Zoom updates, so does this other higher level Zoom, uh, Zoom approved um, and Zoom um, certified uh, device. And so you can have the simple one or you can have the super, oh my gosh, you're always connected. It's a, a stack. Logic.
2: Yeah, and a lot of that came from the initial uh, integrations with PSO, which is Zoom's professional services organization. They take care of that upper-level echelon, large rollout. uh, And they have worked with these manufacturers, tested them, um, you know, so that when a Zoom update happens, it's not going to break room. Uh, you're not going to wait a week for, oh, we need to update a USB driver. We didn't see that one come on. Or, uh, so, they've got their own standard. Um, so, there's the Zoom approved, then the Zoom certified, and then the PSO level, this is the only gear we're going to work with. So, that adds even another level of uh, it may be Zoom certified, but our PSO
0: groups only going to use this one, so yeah. it really is a, an interesting uh, business model and, and interesting to watch who is joining that PSO group and, yes. and getting fun border with that one. So, uh, all right, guys, our next story comes to us from our friends over at Commercial Integrator and actually NSCA. They uh, NSCA put together the compensation and released the compensation and benefits report uh, outlining how AV companies are dealing with the rising cost of business. Uh, A couple of things that they covered in here were uh, raises and and honestly, compensation for different uh, levels, different AV levels, but also staff levels. And Brock, I want to bring you in on this. When it comes to to, uh, NSCA's look at the staffing levels, it seems to me that um, it looks a little lighter than what I expected, I guess. Um, But from your perspective, do you, or are, are AV integrators staffing properly? I guess is the best way to ask this. Or the ebbs and flows that happen throughout the year. Or do you think that they're leaning more on services um, that you know bring in subcontractors as the needs arise? Are we are we one way or the other? Is is are are we too much in one camp or too much uh, heavy on on the subs? Or are we too heavy on on staffing up?
3: Um, interesting question coming out of the report. I uh, I actually had the opportunity to read the whole report, uh, and as an integrator, was able to to compare us. Uh, we because we sit you know very close to one of the uh, one of the percentiles, um, and uh, the uh, median staffing level is right about what our staffing level is. What we have discovered, uh, or you know, has occurred uh, in our own business over the last four or five years, uh, is, however, an increasing use of subcontractors, um, and uh, you know, a greater and greater proportion of the quantity of projects uh, that we do are are in fact being executed by subcontractors, and the reason for that. Um, and I think that uh, I think that Doug will will appreciate this uh, coming out of the consulting world is that so many more of the projects that we're doing are dead simple, um, and uh, and you know it it's a greater dollar volume, it's a greater project number, uh, you know, a unique uh, project, um, and so. I think that integrators are still doing their core business with their core staff. uh, But when they're doing zoom rooms uh, and huddle rooms and simple meeting rooms, they are actually uh, going to market. And it's, it's very scalable, of course, using, uh, using subs for that kind of, uh, you know, hang and bang ish um, uh, application. Does
0: that answer your question? It does. It does. Perfect. Um, Mr. Tucker, something you and I have talked about for years now, and that is the giga- gigification. Um, I think that's the word that you you coined a couple of years ago of the AV industry. Um, and you know, you've lived it. I've lived it. I, there, there are several folks that we know that have have gone, you know, um, to through or through at least that that sort of lifestyle. Where you know what it, it's it's kind of what folks want sometimes. Is that kind of what Brock said? When when you look at the subcontractor culture, is it kind of part and parcel of there? There is this whole section of AV technicians, qualified folks. That this is this is what they this is how they want to work. So Brock's folks can say, okay, sure, you know, then, then we'll hire you when you when we need you. And the folks that are working that going that sounds good to us, right? As opposed to you know working someplace for forty years and getting a gold watch at the end.
1: Well, no, it's true. I mean, look, for for someone in the gig economy, well, if you mentioned we both have done in certain degrees, there's a balance between flexibility and freedom and financial stability. And as a freelancer, you can line up enough work that you get done what you need to do financially Look at it this way. I work union now, but I know a lot of guys who have to work to a certain degree so they can take those two weeks off because the way the checks come in, you have to guarantee there's still checks coming in while you're on vacation and then hop right back to your 120 hours a week (laughs) to make up for that until you can get through the process of being stable again. Uh, It does help businesses like integrators because they don't have to have that onboarding of the benefits, right? I mean, that's part of it. A contractor is not on your policy. You don't have to give them insurance. You just have to protect them against injury, which is expensive enough in itself. Uh, So there's a win-win on two sides if both parties are really, really into what's going on there. Um, I've seen this happen in the staging business. We go through cycles where companies are fully staffed and then business becomes so gangbusters that they decide that it's too much weight to have that staff on hand and they start spinning them off to be contractors and independents. And then five years later, the cycle comes back because business has ebbed and flowed and you want a core staff to do what you need. Uh, as Brock said, you have a core staff that you trust and sometimes those manage your contractors, right? Or are they just independents? And then you come back to that. So it can be a win-win, but it's, it's a tough life. I mean, it's, it's like living on the road. You gotta know where you're going and you gotta know how to get done. And the problem I have is that as an employee of say Brock's, I could probably ask for training and get compensated for that training and have time for that training. As an independent, I've got to meek out the time to get trained and be certified on my own. And therein lies that sort of you know balance of, can I get myself up to where Brock's company needs me and trust me, but I have to make sure I'm not getting paid for that time.) <laughs>
3: Uh, but you are, you are, George, getting paid for that time. Because uh, if, for example, you were on staff with us, and maybe we paid you $37.50 an hour. Whereas if you're a subcontractor, uh, you can command $45 or $50 an hour. Um, I ha- I have the flexi- the, you know, the flexibility of not having to pay you when I don't need you. But when I need you, I'm willing to pay much more. So. You know, you've got, the, uh, you've got the benefit. What you don't have is uh, a guaranteed 2,000 hours a year. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> True.
0: Doug, uh, to, to Brock's point about, you know, Doug uh, was a, a consultant in a, in a, in a former life. before uh, Yeah. Does Brock make a point about the fact that a lot of the, the consultant driven projects, go back to Zoom for a second, not to pick on them, but the Zoom rooms are pretty dead simple. Uh, when it comes to you know both the, the, the deployment and the commissioning, does that lend itself more towards this you know ebb and flow of the contractors?
2: I think it does. As long as you, you know, as long as we're talking that conference room, that that mid to small conference room to huddle space, yes, those are very easy, um, and it and it lends it you know to that uh, model quite well. Um, it, when you get into the larger rooms that are still incorporating the zoom, um, that gets more difficult. You need to have somebody that has the certifications for the DFP for the, you know, programmable mics and, and a lot of that e- equipment that some of your subcontractors are not going to have those certifications. Um, it, so it, there's it a, a little, there's a fine line yes um and in most of the if it's if it's a large deployment you're going to have a mix of them so uh, it makes it very difficult to say i'm just going to farm this one out to my favorite sub um you you really need to at least provide a project manager to commission the rooms properly Otherwise, you know, you know, Zoom is all about happiness, you know, meet happy. Uh, so yeah, you know, they don't do it right.
0: Um, you're going to hear about it um, quickly. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, as we wrap up here, last story here comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine and uh, sorry about this, the Statue of Liberty and their uh, digital signage uh, the back end of that. If you, if you visit New York and you go to the, the, the statue, there is uh, an exhibit there. Uh, they recently completed a hundred million dollar beautification project on Liberty Island. The back end of that is actually powered by 80 bright sign media players. Now, one of the things that I told the guys here before we started, probably one of the things that caught my is the fact that I was in New York this week for New York digital signage week. Uh, great event. If you're in that realm and you're interested in digital signage, it's not a bad idea to, to head over to New York uh, every year or so and hang out with some great folks. Uh, we kicked off our, our coverage at, at, at Dactronics on Monday, a couple of different streams, but Digital Science Federation does do, do events, um, LG does an event, um, all sorts of folks are, are in and around New York, including the folks at Brighton, actually. Um, Mr. Tucker, I'll start with you on this. As digital science becomes more and more of a vertical and more and more of a revenue generator for traditional integrators, you know, what are we looking at when it comes to, honestly, back to education? Uh, and making sure that these folks understand, you know, whether it's Bright Sign or whoever the content management system that they're putting in, make sure that these folks are up to date on what the, the technology, right? The actual nuts and bolts, the, the LED or the LCD or whatever they're using for the signage, that part works, but also the back end and, and the, the stuff bundling and, and feeding this, these displays, that content part makes that, that these folks understand and, or at least burst. And educated on how these things work.
1: Well, education—I'm going to tell you—is probably at a loss because we all know that's just. <laughs> eventually, we hit the the uh, the tenured PhD who doesn't want to give up stuff, and that foils all of it. So, uh, you know, look, museums and these kind of exhibits are, are that sort of example where you—they have learned through experience, through tragic events. Even here in New York, we can say nine eleven. Several of those museums that were down there, I happened to be one of the maintenance contractors on, the Museum of Jewish Heritage, the Police Museum, the Fire Museum, that kind of stuff. And the fact that we had active backups to those systems meant that we could replace them and get them up and running within three weeks of that tragic event. So we could have systems ready to go. And I think that taught a lot of those institutions and the institutions who watch them that that's important. Having the latest technology, that's a fight of cost versus it still works, it's a museum, don't bother me, you know, until they get a grant or they want something new and they're not having as many visitors, right? That's, that's their motivation. How do I draw more visitors in? Okay, I want the new technology. But the backup side of it, like they're describing here and the reliability of those units, that's important. Back then, it was the Pioneer DVD and their the laser displayers, right? Mm-hmm. Those are rock-solid systems, right? We all know them, the 4,400, 7,700 lines. Those things survived all that. And understanding that we had backups for them is what they learned was really important. And when they progressed into building out, say like the Museum of Jewish Heritage and those guys, they put in redundancy systems as part of the bid because they knew it was important. And that's the lesson. Those are the case studies they have to see to understand that eh, yours may not be as tragic as that, but you want to be up and running within a week or do you want to wait two months? Yeah.
0: Doug, I am going to pick on your, on your former consultant wife. Uh, is it something that you can, as a consultant, as a, a design consultant, you can start putting in and working with the clients and educating them. Say, look, look, this is something that's important.
2: Sure. I, I, certainly as a hardware backup, you know, and redundancies so that you can, you know, replace a piece of gear very quickly. Um, the fact that most of your signage now, uh, you know, your standard side is basically you know cloud-based so you've got a redundant backup there uh, already you know so it's it's you know when you're talking about a bunch of 79 dollars sticks on a, on a bunch of tvs it's getting very inexpensive um, it becomes more uh of a commodity and the only way to make any money is to get into the content creation side of it um, and it's, you know, once it's created, it's primarily loaded to a cloud-based server somewhere so that, you know, you're building that redundancy in and makes it quicker and easier to bring it back up, you know, but since you're a commodity $79 stick or, uh, you know, even into the, you know, I like the bright sign, uh, players, they were always, uh, one of the ones that you... They, they had great specs and you could get to them easy as a consultant. So they went into a lot of places and were pretty universal, but, uh, keeping spares of all of that gear because electricity happens.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. Uh, Brock, when it comes to you know d- designing and, and maintaining some of these systems, whether it is, you know, ice map, ice projection mapping, which you've been involved in, or, you know, something like this, this, um, Statue of Liberty display, you know, how do you talk with consultant or how do you talk with the customer about the importance of making sure that there are backups, both of the content, but also the, the devices themselves?
3: Uh, the discussion is, is all about what their tolerance is to downtime. <clears throat> if they don't care, if something doesn't work today, if it's not a big deal, if they can wait 24 hours, if they can wait 48 hours, they can wait 72 hours. Um, we're in the middle of implementing a retail store uh, system right now, and uh, they are going to have a spare piece of hardware for every piece of hardware in a, you know, seven-figure installation on site, uh, in a cage on site and ready to deploy, um, and our SLA is four hours uh, during their opening hours, so um, you know that's that's a client that has very low tolerance. I've got other clients that it's like, yeah, we got other meeting rooms, so we got other this and we got other that. The um, I, I think that the uh, the most challenging part for a big digital signage uh, implementation is not um, is not whether a device has failed or not, but it's whether the person responsible for keeping them running actually knows that it's failed. So there is a monitoring application. And I, um, uh, that, that article uh, didn't talk about what the CMS system is. It didn't talk about the, uh, um, uh, the monitoring, but I have to think diversified is a pretty capable company. Uh, They've got a knock or two uh, and I have to think that part of their contract is ensuring that uh, it hasn't been hacked. There's no blue screen of death. Um, you know, that, that uh, every one of those elements is displaying what it should be.
0: And, and, uh, and that's important as well. Absolutely. That'll be a good place to stop it. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Uh, Mr. Tucker, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you uh, if they are so inclined?
1: <laughs> I'm on Tucker2's on Twitter. I have some Instagram accounts, that kind of stuff, uh, and some other projects in the works for the new year saying that but I don't
0: you
1: know it's a slow process you know (laughs)
3: quality control test 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 so all right mr. McInnis thank you sir Uh, always nice to be on here I'm Brock McGinnis on Twitter and uh, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, I'm at Westbury for the next uh, couple of weeks Uh, and uh, uh, looking forward to coming back again in future Tim
0: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Mr. Dillman, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or Steren if they are so inclined? Uh, you can get a whole group of us at
2: FastTrack at starin.biz. Uh That is the new group that deals uh, primarily with Zoom. So Anything Zoom related, you'll get a whole team dedicated to nothing but Zoom off of that one. Personally, I'm Doug.Dillman at Steren.biz and my Twitter is consult
0: daily. Very good. I know some of those folks at the, on that Zoom team. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Thank you all so much. For me, for tomorrow break, don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, if you have, this past month I apologize uh, about both the Bears stuff and the travel stuff uh, that is, is winding down as the year goes. Although I will say uh, if you're in the New Orleans area or you're going to AVEC, uh, Avex's annual uh, leadership conference i will be in new orleans uh, for that so that'll be uh, i think that and a couple, possible couple more so uh but more importantly go by the website if you would please APNation.tv, apnation.tv you'll find this program and a host of others while you're there check out our supporters section these are the folks who help us financially help us bring you this program and resi week and coverage of new york digital signage week and in about three or four months time coverage of isc 2020 last go around in amsterdam so All that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.